0: episode number 52. So even if the person fell and the ate trade he could still pick himself up. Welcome to the Torah Podcast, lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth, hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with this week's Torah Podcast. You probably noticed that I changed the name of the podcast, and that's because the higher life is connected with the Christian group, and I definitely do not want any connection to that. Well, this week's Torah podcast, the Torah portion of the week, is Tazriya Matzora. How to Tweak the Mind-Body Connection, Integrating the Physical with the Spiritual. We're going to have a powerful parable about a sick man in a remote village, a great story about Rav Shach, and peace in your home, Rejecting or Encouraging Compliments. And now, the Torah portion of the week with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. So the Parsha starts out where Hashem speaks to Moshe and Aaron and tells them about the laws of Saras. Saras is translated to be leprosy, but that's not really what it is. It's a spiritual disease. It's not leprosy. So the verse says, if someone has this on their skin, they should go to Aaron a Kohen or the sons of the Kohen and he'll take a look at it and see if it's Tameh or Tahor. Is it pure or impure? If the Kohen says that it's impure, so then the person is going to have to be separated from the community. So if Destler explains that when the Jewish people were on a high spiritual level, and there was miracles happening, so diseases were dealt with on a spiritual level. He brings a proof from Divrayam in 1612 that when King Asa had a disease in his foot, So he was criticized for not going to seek the Lord, the Pusik says. Rather, he went to the physicians. So the Ramban brings that verse as a proof that at the time of the first temple, when people were sick, they didn't go to doctors. They used to go to the prophet, to the Navi. And he would tell them the spiritual cause of their sickness. So according to this view, we see clearly that sicknesses really have a spiritual root. We don't look at it these days. We go to the doctor. But ultimately, the real cause for us being sick is some kind of spiritual ailment. We usually don't connect uh, sickness with a sin, but that's really where it's coming from. And the Ramban says that even on our day, a person could check out and understand what's going on with him spiritually from the physical problems that he has. The Ramchal goes on to explain that these skin afflictions are spiritual forces of tuma impurity, which attach themselves to a person as a result of his sins. The skin afflictions are the physical expression of an impurity. It's pretty unbelievable. But it's also hopeful, because he explains that the Saras is therefore given as a sign that Hashem still loves that person, has not given up on him. In other words, God will give us signs how to correct ourselves if we're still close to Him. If we're so far away, we don't care, and it's not even going to help, so Hashem won't do it. But for someone that he loves, and someone who's close, he'll direct them in the right way. He says it exerts a form of spiritual pressure to awaken the person to repent, and actively seek out the Kohen to help them rectify and purify himself. By going to the Kohen, we can be redirected. He can tell us what's wrong. Because all of our sicknesses really come from our soul. It's the mind-body connection. That's what all the New Age healers speak about, the mind-body connection. It was written in the Torah thousands and thousands of years ago. So now look at what the Ramchal says about it. The verse says, a Kohen should take the blood of the guilt offering. This is the offering that was given by the person who had this disease. And the Kohen should place it in the middle part of the right ear. So he puts some blood on the right ear of the person, of the one being purified. And on the thumb, his right thumb, he puts some blood on the right thumb. And he puts some blood on the big toe the right big toe. by Equal 14.14. This sounds like some kind of witchcraft, but this is the reality. So the Ramchal explains why was it put in these three places? Because this represents the total spirituality and physicality of the person. He says, the ears are located next to the head, which is the seat of the neshama, the highest part of the soul. And the hands are the extension of the torso, which is the seat of the ruach, the middle part of the soul. And the legs extend from the stomach, which is the nephesh of the man, the animal spirit of man, but still has chiles, it has life in it. So this blood was placed on all the extremities of the person so that it should spiritually and physically heal him. And the verses go on to say that after that, there was oil that was placed on all these places. And the Ramchal explained that was to sanctify the entire body. So he says there's two levels. First it was purified and then it was sanctified, which is a higher level. But we see from here the connection between man's sins, his thoughts, his intellect, and how it affects his body. Rav Shimshin Raphael Harsh explains the other aspects of the sacrifice that was brought in order to purify this person who had this disease. You would bring cedar and hyssop and wool and worm blood. Sounds like science fiction. So he explains there that cedar is the highest level of the plants. And hyssop is the lowest level of the plant life. And wool comes from the highest level of the animals, which is the mammal. And the worm is the lowest level of living things. So these things all represent the entire range of fauna. The entire spectrum of animal and plant life. And this was to teach us that we should have control over our animal nature. That man has to go according to his intellect according to his soul. And in this way, his body will also be healthy. But this is not just a one-way relationship between the body and the soul. It's symbiotic. We know in last week's parsha we talked about eating kosher food. And the Ramchal explains that the animals that are permitted to us are rooted in Kedush and holiness. In other words, they have in them a certain holiness that we need to uplift to even a higher level, which is not true by non-kosher animals. He explains that it's even a mitzvah for us to eat these animals, because eating them, we uplift the kedushah, the holiness that's in them gets uplifted, and it makes us holy. We know that the two qualities that a kosher animal has is that it chews the cud, and that it has split hoofs. So the Ramchal explains that these two signs are associated with holiness. Chewing the cud, he explains, is the ability to take something that's low and uplift it. And split hoofs is the ability to receive, to take something from above and bring it down. In other words, since the hoofs are split, there's like a clear passage from the shemaim, from the heaven to the earth. And then to choose the cud, it's taking from the earth up to the heaven. And that's why these animals are permitted to us, because they don't interfere with our spirituality. They actually enhance it. And God forbid we should eat something that's not kosher, the verse says, And do not defile yourself with them, and become defiled through them. So the Ramchal explains what does it mean defiled? It means sealed off. God forbid somebody eats a treif animal. He gets timtumalev. to his heart closes. He gets closed off spirituality. He explains, the spiritual lights can no longer reach him. In this matter, the consumption of impure foods is the worst type of impurity that a person could be affected by. The spiritual influence of Hashem is removed from someone who eats this type of food. That's a scary thought. Here you have the opposite happening. The food that the person eats is affecting his spirituality. It's going from the body to the soul. And if God forbid he eats tray food, he becomes insensitive. Becomes, God forbid, on api Stops to believe in God. He doesn't know why. It's the food. The food is blocking his connection to God. The body is affecting the spirituality. It says in the Pazik, Zosa Torah Behema. Why to- Zosa Torah Behema? Because the food that you eat is affecting whether you can receive the Torah or not. It's a very scary thought. Rav Rafael Hur says like this When a person is kosher, it guards essential aspects of our personality from unrestrained animalistic passion and keeps our moral and spiritual will from becoming dull and unresponsive. We treif, we're going to become numb. But when he says, it enables the body to be obedient servant to the noble part of our being. In other words, in this connection, this mind-body connection, we want to give the advantage to the mind. If we trafe, so the mind won't have the power to overcome the body. So, the question is now, what if, God forbid, we did eat rave? What if we didn't eat kosher? What are we supposed to do now? That's it, we're stuck forever? We can wait seven years to every cell in our body changes, eat kosher for seven years, and everything changes. But what do we do in the meantime? So, the Shame Mishmuel brings the first Rashi in this week's Parsha. The Parsha starts out with the impurity of a woman who gives birth. And Rashi says like this He brings the Vayikarabah. We've similarly said, just as the fashioning of man, came after all the cattle, the beast, and the fowl, in the Torah's account of the creation. In other words, man came last. Cock, so too do we explain the laws of man after the cattle, the beast, and the fowl. In other words, all the things that come in this week's Parsha. The laws of a woman giving birth, you have bris milah, you talk about sarath, leprosy, and all the tomb of a tahorah of a man. All those laws come in this week's Parsha. After last week's parsha, which was the laws about which animals we can eat. So the Sheh Mushmoor has a Kasha a difficulty on this midrash. He says, wait a second. Before this we had all the dinim of man, we had Mishpatim. What are you talking about? Up till now we had hundreds of laws of Ben adam between man and man. So how can the midrash be saying that now we're talking about the laws of man? It's not true. We spoke about hundreds of laws before this. So he brings a Vaikra Rabbah to help explain. The verse in Tehillim says like this, You have fashioned me after and before, after the creation of the sixth day, and before of the creation. If man is worthy, we will say to him, Your creation preceded even that of the ministering angels. And if he's not worthy, we say to him, A fly preceded you, a knot preceded you, and this worm preceded you. So the Midrash explains there's really two distinct creations of man. Before everything was created, that's talking about man's soul. Man's soul, which was the purpose of creation, was created before everything. The last thing that was created was man's body. That was created after the animals. So what is the Midrash telling us? If our souls overcome our body and our primary outlook towards life is spiritual, then we can be proud that we created first, which was our soul. But if we live as an animal, we have no interest in spirituality that even the members of the insect world will realize their potential greater than us. So when Rashi brought the Midrash, that man came after all the animals, the beasts and the birds, that was talking about his physical aspect. And these laws in this week's parsha are talking about the physical aspect of man. What's man supposed to do if he has leprosy? If she has a boy, it's 40 days. If she has a girl, it's 80 days. Brismila, it changes to physical. These are the laws of the physicality of man. So now the question arises, why was man created as two separate creations? Why didn't God create man, his physical and his spiritual, on the same day? So the shame Mishmur wants to answer because he didn't want to have the link between them to be too tight. Why is that? Because if man started to go downhill, there would be no way to pick himself up. In other words, if he ate treif, what could he do? There would be it. It would be Gamarno finished. But since the soul, even though it is connected to the body, and there is the mind-body connection, but the soul is way above. So even if the person fell in the tray, he could still pick himself up. But that doesn't take away from the fact that the body itself gives the messages to the person on how to do tshuva, on how to change himself. Rav Moshe Feinstein has a kasha. It says that a person has saras, this kind of spiritual leprosy. He has to go to the kohen. So he says, wait a second, what if the guy himself is a Torah scholar and he can see clearly that the Saras that he has is pure? Why does he have to go to the Kohen? He knows he doesn't have to go to the Kohen, he's pure. So he answers that even though it's true that it's pure, but any change in the body means there's some kind of spiritual problem happening. So he still has to go to the Kohen to get direction. He has to learn how to change his ways. He needs to know what to do to improve himself. And not only that, he explains that it's very detailed. The message that Hashem gives us through our bodies is exact. The Torah says there's two kind of categories of saras. There's ones like inflammation, and the other one's like a burn. And the halacha is that those two don't combine. And he explains that's because each affliction, one that's inflammation and one that's fire, are two separate things. They correspond to two different types of sins. It's Mita Kanegan Mita, measure for measure. Everything that happens to us is exact. And therefore, through our bodies, we can learn how to come back to God. This is unbelievable. The person will know how to repent based on the details of what's happening to him. And he explains it's even true with all types of suffering. A person should check out exactly what's going wrong in his life because it's very detailed. There's Ashkaka Pratis. How does he feel? Where does it hurt? What was said? What were all the details of the circumstances are all there to teach us how to change our ways and go forward. So we see that this mind-body connection works in both ways. If we eat the wrong food, we eat trafe. we're going to affect our souls. And if our souls are going in the wrong way, we're going to affect our bodies. So the main thing is now we have to learn from what's happening to us, what Hashem is sending us. We have to learn from that and go forward. Here is a powerful parable to open your mind and help you reach your So the Magi Maduma brings a muscle like this. The verse says, When a person will have on his skin of flesh a spot of intense whiteness or an off-white spot or a snow-white spot, so about the details of Saras. So one time there was a man living in a remote village who fell ill. He was in terrible pain, but there was no doctor in the village, and there was nobody passing through the village. It was very offbeat. So, what could the man do? He laid in his house, he suffered. One time, though, some merchant stopped by the village to feed his animals. When the sick man heard there was somebody new here, he got a little bit of his strength together, he started screaming out, Please help me, please help me. So the man thought, how can I help this person? I'm not a doctor. He said, you know what? I could take you to the big city. When everybody sees what kind of shape you're in, surely someone's going to come help you. So the nimshah is that when Hashem gave the Torah, it was a guide for us to act. If he goes in the right way, good. But if he sins, his soul suffers terribly. And there's no salvation. Who's going to help him? So what did Hashem do? He made it that the person should be struck with blemishes. This way, anybody who sees this person who has a Saras will come to him and speak to him because they understand that the person's in, and they will help him by speaking to him to guide him back on the right way. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. So the verse says his garments shall be rent. We know that Saras, this disease, can also spread to physical things, to the house, to the garments. If it goes to the garments, the garments have to be ripped. Why is that? Because we know that this comes from the sin of gossip. Saras comes from Lashon Hara, people speaking bad one against the other. So they embarrass somebody else. So too, when the person's clothes got Saras, it embarrassed him. So we take the clothes and we rip them. Rav Yochanan said, My clothes are my honorers. And since his clothes are supposed to honor him, but this clothes dishonored him, they have to be ripped. Rav Shach used to say, in the old days, people were much more serious. They understood the secret of clothing, that clothes are honor. People will wear nice coats, nice suits, nice hats. He said one time he went into a courtroom and he saw this Gentile judge with all these robes. And he understood that those robes could produce a serious atmosphere. So he said you could just look at a community and see from their clothes who they are. Are they serious? Are they respectful? But when you see people wearing torn and faded clothing, you can understand that the place is a place of no respect, a lack of seriousness. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. So if Simcha Cohen talks about rejecting and encouraging compliments. As many couples, they start out happy, and as time goes by, things start to decline. He says, a woman complained to him that my husband never has a kind word for me. So the husband said, yes, yeah, she taught me to behave this way. I would tell her the food tasted good. What would she say? No, it isn't. You're just hungry. I would buy her this expensive robe. I was exhausted from shopping, looking for the robe. I'd get home and she would say, oh, what do you do? You found a surplus. I'd bring her home flowers. And she would say, oh, the flower vendor was probably just trying to get rid of his last bunch. So she told me to stop giving her compliments and bringing her things and buying her presents. So he said to the woman in front of the husband, when he said the food tasted good and you said, oh, you're just hungry, you probably wanted him to answer, no, the food really is good. And she agreed. And when you claimed that the present that he bought you was just surplus, you probably wanted him to say, no, I bought it for you because I care about you. And she nodded. And when you put down the flowers, you probably wanted him to answer No, I brought them to show you how much I appreciate the hard work you do for me. And she said, yeah, that's right. So what's going on here in this interaction that happens in almost every home? It's counterintuitive. When the wife rejects everything the husband's trying to do for her, what she's really trying to say is, please say it again. Please tell me that you love me. Please tell me that you really meant it. So even though it's difficult, but the man has to understand really what's going on behind the message there. Now the stronger the man is, he's able to give more to his wife that she really believes that he loves her. She's saying to him, tell me again, so I'm really sure that you love me. But a woman has to be careful also. If it took her husband a lot of effort and a lot of time to bring that present, she shouldn't be negative. It's not the time to test whether your husband loves you or not. And if the husband is coming with sincerity, and he's trying to improve the atmosphere in the house, so don't knock him down. This could work either way. and This could happen with either of the couple, but whatever happens, you have to encourage the other person to continue their good behavior. You have to motivate the other person. If they give you a praise, you have to say thank you. You have to motivate them. At the beginning, everything's awkward. Because if up till now we haven't been acting that way, it's a little bit strange. But if we start to change our thought patterns and our speech patterns, so things in the house will change and it needs to be encouraged by encouraging the positive behavior of your spouse, you increase that behavior. Even at the beginning, it's awkward. person thinks, why should I encourage my spouse? If he doesn't want to give me a compliment, so I don't want a compliment that he doesn't really mean. It's the wrong way of thinking. Even the compliment is not the best compliment. Encourage your spouse to do it. Make them feel comfortable giving you a compliment. Make the other person feel comfortable giving you a present. Because then things will build and grow geometrically. It's a question of creating a new habit in the house, a new pattern, which can be built up to become natural. Like everything that you learn, everything you do, at the beginning it's awkward. But if you start to compliment each other, and you start to give each other gifts, and everybody accepts it with love, and a positive attitude, so the whole pattern can change. Okay, that's it for this week's Torah podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it with your friends, and please leave me a rating on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Your voicemail could be featured on the Torah podcast. Just visit RabbiMeterhoff.com to ask questions or leave comments.